Chapter forty three of the Queen's Necklace by Alexandre Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Illusions and Realities. Beausire, on leaving the house, ran as fast as possible down the Rue Coquillière, then into the Rue Saint Honore, and took everywhere the most intricate and improbable turnings he could think of, and continued this until he became quite exhausted. Then, thinking himself tolerably safe he sat down in the corn market on a sack to recover his breath ah oh, thought he now i have made my fortune i will be an honest man for the future and i will make oliva an honest woman she is beautiful and she will not mind leading a retired life with me in some province where we shall live like lords she is very good she has but two faults idleness and pride and as i shall satisfy her on both these points she will be perfect he then began to reflect on what he should do next they would seek him of course and most likely divide into different parties and some would probably go first to his own house here lay his great difficulty for there they would find oliva and they might ill-treat her they might even take her as a hostage speculating on his love for her what should he do love carried the day he ran off again like lightning took a coach and drove to the pont neuf he then looked cautiously down the rue dauphine to reconnoitre and he saw two men who seemed also looking anxiously down the street he thought they were police spies but that was nothing uncommon in that part of the town so bending his back and walking lamely for disguise he went on till he nearly reached his house. Suddenly, he thought he saw the coat of a gendarme in the courtyard. Then he saw one at the window of Oliva's room. He felt ready to drop, but he thought his best plan was to walk quietly on. He had that courage and passed the house. Heavens, what a sight! The yard was full of soldiers, and among them a police commissioner. Beausire's rapid glance showed him what he thought, disappointed faces, he thought that Monsieur de Crosny had somehow begun to suspect him, and sending to take him had found only Oliva. "'I cannot help her now,' thought he. "'I should only lose my money and destroy us both. No, let me place that in safety, and then I will see what can be done.' He therefore ran off again, taking his way almost mechanically toward the Luxembourg. But as he turned the corner of the Rue Saint-Germain, he was almost knocked down by a handsome carriage, which was driving toward the Rue Dauphine, and raising his head to swear at the coachman, he thought he saw Oliva inside, talking with much animation to a handsome man who sat by her. He gave a cry of surprise and would have run after it, but he could not again encounter the Rue Dauphine. He felt bewildered, for he had before settled that Oliva had been arrested in her own house and he fancied his brain must be turning when he believed he saw her in the carriage. But he started off again and took refuge in a small cabaret at the Luxembourg, where the hostess was an old friend. There he gradually began to recover again his courage and hope. He thought the police would not find him and that his money was safe. He remembered also that Oliva had committed no crime and that the time was past when people were kept prisoners for nothing. He also thought that his money would soon obtain her release, even if she were sent to prison, and he would then set off with her for Switzerland. 
such were his dreams and projects as he sat sipping his wine end of chapter forty three recording by john van stan savannah georgia